This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning. Are you well? Good. Delighted to hear it. Uh, Silver surfing is very good for your health. Well, of course we know that, don't we? The Oz Lion does the whizness. Fraud cops are probing 50 lords. Make up your own jokes. The dogs of awe. And the Gerard Brawl footage ordeal. Plus the uh, cricket test ace Phil Hughes is fighting for his life. And the pet crematorium accused of heartbreak ashes error. And you know there are 20,000 cancer cases linked to obesity every year. Plus what was found in a Morrison's fish? Ugh, sounds disgusting. And the charity staff rebelling over that prize given to Tony Blair. It's all incestuous. It's, uh, it's awards for the boys. You rub my back, etc. Anyway, all of that and more this morning. I turned uh, on the heating yesterday. God, it was hot. God, it was hot. When I put on the heating, my heating is really fantastic. I don't like to brag about it, but I've had the same radiators. I'm on my third boiler. One, two, yeah, I'm on my third boiler uh, in about 26 years, which is not bad. It's not bad, I think. And uh, I know many of you are now writing and go, well, my boiler's been going 55 years, but uh, I've got a combi boiler. And you turn it on, and literally, within half an hour, the place is like a roasting oven. It's fantastic. So I, pu- I put the heating on. Because I, do li- I don't like to sit in front of the television with my clothes on. I like a pair of shorts. I don't know why. I don't, perhaps it goes back to childhood. You come in, you take your, your, your work clothes off and you hang them up and uh, then you sort of put other clothes on. So that's what I did. And Kate Garraway sent me a text saying, you're made of stern stuff. Because I said, I only just put the heating on. She said, I've got my thermals on. <laughs> oh dear, poor old Kate. She'll be getting up now going, what time is it? Oh God, is it really only five past four? <laughs> Mind you, it's great when you get up, isn't it? I always say, if you're going on to television, it's fantastic, because you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you think, somewhere between going to bed and waking up, I've died. And then they put the makeup on, you go, oh, look, real person. Real person. Anyway, this morning you wake up to rain. You wake up to the fact that it's another miserable, blooming day. In London town, I said to Immy when I came in, Imran downstairs, I said, you know, I don't know what's worse, actually, either the rain or the cold. The cold is sort of quite nice, but it was a bit dangerous driving in. And uh, this morning... It was just wet, which is... It's okay. I can live with it. I can live with it. Uh, The £4 bottle of perfume. I did say the other day, and I stand by it. It's only because I remember a report that was done in the Standard many, many years ago where they bought a load of that cheap perfume that they flog on the pavement in Oxford Street. You can find it being sold. They offer you sort of four bottles or five bottles for 20 quid, and they go, and I'm going to give you this one, which is midnight, and you've never heard of any of these perfumes. And they put them all in, and this one's that, and and it all looks quite nice. Put it in a carrier bag, and you take it home, and it's coloured water, but it does smell. It does actually have a scent. And I said it was good value. If you're spending, you know, if you're spending a fiver on a bottle of perfume or four quid in their cases, that's including the bottle, the packaging and everything else. And it's not great quality. The only trouble with this perfume is, A, it's cheap. Cheap's good. Uh, is the fact that it wears off within half an hour. So they've done a, a big taste test, so, so to speak, in one of the papers today. Saying what I said, it's extremely good value. It's just that it doesn't last like proper perfume. If you put Chanel Number no. 5 on, you know if you put that on in the morning, it's still going to be there in the evening. Mind you, if you put poison on, if you put poison on, that's a really heavy, dense uh, perfume. Very, very... I used to love poison. I can't stand the smell of it now. But I used to absolutely love it. That, um, that football agent, Eric, he used to wear women's perfume. In fact, I remember him telling... Because I remember saying, it's a nice smell, what's that? He said, it's women's perfume. He said, I've always worn women's perfume, as opposed to the, the men's aftershaves. But if you buy this cheap stuff, 
And you actually... This is Eric Hall, incidentally, used to work for LBC. Boobla, boobla. He was, he was more, more Jewish than any of my Jewish friends. I've never known anybody so Jewish. <laughs> and he, he'll thank me for saying that as well. But he used to wear women's perfume because it lasted longer and you get some really nice scents. I mean, some of, if you put on some of these... My mother used to use something called Diorissimo, which was obviously made by Dior. And, and it was really lovely, really, really nice. I've always used the same aftershave. I've always used for the past... <laughs> 30 years, so I started very young, uh, Estee Lauder Intuition for Men. Always used it. Always used it. And in fact, actually, it's funny because a lot of people expect, they go, what's that? And they go, it's Intuition for Men. And they go, oh, right. So they then go out and buy it. So I've now got loads of my friends, and we all smell the same now, which is a bit disappointing because I, like I like to smell everybody else's aftershave. I'm a bit like that. I've been known to go up to people in the office and go, what's that? <laughs> what, is, what is that smell? I stopped a lady on an escalator once in Kingston. I said, you think I'm really stupid? I said, but what's your perfume? And she's, I've never done it to you. I've never, I've never mentioned it. Never mentioned it before. Well, I don't want us to get too close. I like, I like the working relationship. We don't want to sort of start picking out curtains or nothing like that. He's got cats that lie in the bathroom because apparently the people underneath have put a strip light in and it heats up their bathroom. Have you heard of such a thing? So the cats now lie in the bathroom. It's the trouble with cats. They just, they just sleep, don't they? I'll get up in a minute. Oh, do you have any food for me in my bowl? If you think I'm eating that, think again. Not eating it. I mean, there's nothing worse than sort of cold salmon out of a tin in the morning for the cats or whatever they eat. Oh, God. And then the cat comes and tries to lick you. Oh, oh go away, please. <laughs> our, our, our cat used to be a bit naughty. When my grandmother, one of my grandmothers used to come and stay. There was only the one grandmother at that time. And uh, the cat would sit near her and would, would quietly break wind. But, of course, we didn't know it was the cat. So we'd say, Mum, do you want to go to the toilet? She'd go, no. we go, we think you do. So, of course, every so often my poor grandmother would be carted up the stairs to go onto the toilet. And she didn't want to go at all. She'd come back downstairs, see the cat in the corner going... <laughs> like that, thinking it was really funny. But they're bone-idle cats. You know, it's a case of, uh, I'll look out the back door. No, it's raining, I'm not going out. Go on, out you go. Don't you push me. I'll make you sorry. I'll sit under the car and stare at you. You know, and the food is still not there. I'm not eating that. You put down something decent. It's not like dogs where you throw a stick. You know, <coughs> you throw a stick for a, for a cat, it'll just sit there with you going, well, who's going to pick it up? I'm not. Anton Dubeck. Old Tony Beak, he only wants young partners, apparently. Um, he said he's sick to death of the old women because he's been given Nancy Delusional. I think he had... Did he have Anne Whittacombe? I can't... When I say, did he have Anne Whittacombe, was he dancing with Anne Whittacombe? I do beg your pardon. Um... And then he, he, he got Judy Murray, and she couldn't dance for Toffee. What is it with these old, old women? Because I know lots of old ladies, and they can dance very, very well. What is it that the ones in... I mean, you never expected Anne Whittacombe to be able to dance, did you? I mean, not seriously. You never really thought in your mind that that short, dumpy little thing... No, I won't! You don't ever think that she was able to dance. So they just dragged around the floor. It was a lot easier that way. And funnier for everybody else. That uh, she's actually quite serious, as you remember from the Louis Theroux documentaries. Can I go in your bedroom and have... No, you can't. <laughs> Mummy, don't talk to him. <laughs> oh, dear me. What else do we have in the papers for today? Um, the uh, the test ace, Phil Hughes, fighter his life. I'm often, you know, thinking to myself that there must be more accidents in sport than you can shake a stick at. And, of course, over the years, cricket has changed from the early days when it was just you wore your cricket whites. Now they've got sort of helmets on because these balls come thundering down at such a rate. I'm surprised nobody's been killed. You've picked up a tennis ball. 
It's not like sort of a shuttlecock or, a, you know, a, a, just a tennis ball kind of thing. These are these are hard cricket balls. They really are. The pet crematorium accused of heartbreak ashes error. I can't help feeling... Who cares? Who cares? I know... I know that people worry about it, and you're going to criticise me for sort of saying, oh, well, you know, I loved my cat, and I got somebody else's ashes back. Would you know? Would you know? They all look the same. They all look the same. It doesn't make any difference. I suppose, you know, if you've got a horse and you're cremating a hamster, the, the tin's going to be slightly different size. But, you know, the rest of the how would you know what was in it? They could put a, you know, shovel load of anything in there, and you wouldn't have the faintest idea. You just assume that that's your dearly missed tittles. And stuff like that. I was watching the Housewives of wherever they were. That's the ones that's got, um, oh, who's the bug-eyed one who's in this? I have to call her the bug-eyed one because she's vile. I mean, she really is a horrible piece of work. And I can't remember, every time I, I say this, this Housewives of, uh, it's, is it, Ro, no, it's not Rowena, is it? It's something, I was going to say Rwanda, but I can't remember. Whatever it is, she's horrible. She's really, really horrid. Just not a pleasant person at all. And yet she thinks that she's, uh, she's so fantastic. And, of course, uh, I don't believe she is, actually. 84850, Steve, at uk. Um, front pages of the papers, they're all doing the, uh, the Rigby story that his murderers were left free to kill after a litany of missed chances by Britain's security agencies. To be honest with you, I mean, these people are mental. Seriously, they've got, they, they're sick in the head. Sick in the head. Both his, his killers, I hope they rot in prison. I couldn't care less if they're attacked in there. I, could, I really couldn't care less. I couldn't be less concerned, I'm afraid. So, I mean, I think, you know, that, uh, that somebody... Facebook has now been accused. And they said, Lee Rigby's family, that Facebook had got blood on their hands after it emerged the US web giant could have foiled his killers because they were boasting about it, weren't they, on Facebook before it happened. It never flagged up one of them uh, crowing of a lust to murder a soldier. You would have thought that kind of would have rung a few alarm bells, but obviously not at Facebook. And Lee Rigby paid for it with his uh, life. Adibawali, what an ugly little piece of filth he is. They really are. I mean, just, their sick boasts were never reported. Really, it's, it's, it's just absolutely unbelievable. I'm not surprised that his family are really, really fed up. Uh, Emily Clarkson, talking about body size, women should worship, page three... She says, ladies, it's time for a nasty amnesty. I'm talking about the constant harping criticism and judgment of other women. Well, you know, I suppose it's the, uh, it's the useless Gemma Collins. If Gemma Collins wasn't so useless, nobody would have any, any issues with her size. But, of course, she makes the issue with her size. Nobody else makes the issue. She makes the issue with her size when she's constantly going on about it on the programme. But, of course, being the most miserable old bag in the entire world, nobody cares, do they? Nobody really cares about her. It's just, you know, the fueling the oxygen of celebrity, the, uh, the oxygen that keeps them going. And they truly believe it. That's the trouble, because they're so thick, these people. They seriously believe that they are almost Teflon. They be- they- Somebody should write a book about that. And I think we call it So You Want to Be a Celebrity. It could be a guide. Gosh, who could write that? Think of somebody interesting. Somebody young, talented, good-looking. OK, one out of two or three is not bad. And uh, imagine if you could go onto Amazon and type in, so you want to be a celebrity, and something actually came up. Huh, imagine, ladies and gentlemen, and the book would come out on the 8th of January. Huh, imagine. And the author could be somebody you might even have heard of. And it could be a little pocket book that you slip in your pocket. And it could be aimed at sort of people who are cynical about celebrity or feeling that people who think, I'd quite like to be a celebrity. How do I go about it? It could be the guide for that as well. In fact, it could be so many things on so many different levels. God, if only such a book existed. What a happy world this, uh, 
this little studio would be in. D. Morning, everybody. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning. The transport boss, Sir Peter Hendy, will be joining Nick to take your calls. Plus, as a report into Lee Rigby's murder claims websites like Facebook need to be more vigilante in tracking terrorist material, Nick will be asking, can we ever police the internet? Why are the NSPCC criticising social workers? Nick Ferrari and the Breakfast Show team will be here straight after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Paper reviewer today, Nick Dubois. Conservative MP for Enfield North. Oh, I bet he's got stuff to talk about. Oh, I bet he has. And Junior in Glasgow is having tea, toast, cheese and marmite. Do you know that's the best combination? Cheese and marmite together. And I know it's the best combination because they sell it in Starbucks. They do a cheese and marmite panini or something, whatever it is, it goes under the grill. And it's delicious. Something about cheese and marmite. I bought cheese yesterday. And do you know what I did buy? Jars. I bought two big jars of pickled onions. And I ate three. Three pickled onions. And uh, look at me pushing the boat out. I'm very rock and roll. Not three jars, three pickled onions. I'm still going to tell Chris it was my idea that James will work. We've got this thing going on at work at the moment because everybody's trying to sort it. I might as well tell you because otherwise it'll crop up in you know, litigation and uh, or probably in the court of law somewhere. And uh, so we have to try and get all the things in to find out who's actually going to work over Christmas. Because everybody, as per usual, wants Christmas off because they go, it's time with the family. And I'm always quite good. You know, I always put my hand up and say, actually, this year was th- was going to be the year that I didn't work Christmas Day. And Boxing Day, I was going to give myself a few days off, which is quite a rare thing, as you know. And, uh, and then they came back to me and said, would you do breakfast on Christmas Day and Boxing Day? And that kind of swung it, really, because it fits in with my plans for going down. Because Christmas Day, I've got to drive down to Essex and we're all booked into a hotel. There's about, I think, 14 of us. And it's all paid for and it's all done and dusted and it's all very nice. And that'll be great. And then on the that's on the Christmas Day, on the Boxing Day when I'm in between 7 and 10 as well, then I shall nip to my brother's. And, uh, and then I can sleep on the Saturday, which will be delicious. And then Sunday in here is normal, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I think Thursday is New Year's Day, and then I'm on between 7 and 10. So 4 till 7 all the other days, which is going to be quite nice, because most of you will be having the time off. And so they, they were sort of, they said to me yesterday, there's, there's one of the guys in here who's very good, very good, but, uh, and they said, could you, could you persuade him to sort of see if he, if he could do the third and the fourth working with Christo? Because generally speaking, if you work with Christo, you, you get extra money. You know, you have to get extra money because it's because nobody wants to work with him. It's a nightmare. It re- it's terrible, really. I mean, they have to. You, as you know, Christo arrives from the home where he is incarcerated, and he comes in on like a gurney kind of thing, strapped in, and then they put him in the studio. He's tied into the chair in here, and they lock the door, and then they they put. He's got some sort of mechanical device on the side of his body, and you push it, and that activates him. So then he he thinks he's a radio presenter. <laughs> Of course, as we've heard the programme a few times, we realise that that's just not true. And then at the end of the show, the, the nurse comes back in again, they lift him out of the chair, they strap him onto the gurney, and he's wheeled out of the building. So, of course, nobody wants to do the show. Because sometimes it's just a bit too funny. His mother phoned up a few weeks ago. Did you hear that? She was drunk. His mother phoned up at, like, four in the morning. She'd been on the gin and tonics at four in the morning. I was absolutely amazed. So that, that was quite a, a funny event. And so anyway, so, so one, of the, one of the people here said to me, can you have a word with this, this top-notch producer and see if you can persuade him? And so I said, yeah, I shall do my best. He went, I'd be ever, ever so grateful. So anyway, I kept, well, anyway, he'd already agreed. He'd already agreed. He, he said, but luckily, I only just sent the text now. So I can still capitalise on it and I can still get brownie points. I might even get a free Starbucks out of it, you know, because I'm, I'm going to now send him a text saying... You know, I've managed to persuade him, uh, but it wasn't easy. 
You know, what else can I... Listen, if you can't fib in this business, you can't fib at all. And then I just realised you mustn't send him a text at this time of the morning. Last time I did it, I got into trouble. He felt because I sent it, and of course he has his phone in the bedroom. And it went beep, 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 and it, it woke him up. And he said, what did you send me a text for at three o'clock in the morning? I said, well, you're the only person I know that keeps the phone in the bedroom. Most people keep it in the sitting room, charging up, and he know he keeps it by the side of the bed. So there you go. Be positive, Junior. Be positive. Cocktails of medicine are always very useful. Mind you, I'm totally of the opinion that tea, toast, cheese and marmite is the, is the winning one. Uh, the housewives, it was Ramona. Ramona. She is awful. I mean, out of... And there are some pretty revolting housewives in these programmes. But that's the idea. If, if she wasn't so vulgar and vile, you wouldn't watch it. She's really hot. She thinks she's some hotshot. She's not. She's nasty. And also, having these squidgy eyes all over the place it looks very scary. Very, very scary. Uh, other stories of the paper day. Halle Berry is accusing her ex-boyfriend of allegedly trying to make their daughter look white. It's a very bizarre story. It's a very bizarre story. So I think we'll sort of leave that to, uh, to one side. Uh, Stephen Gerrard, I was being menaced. Something about Stephen Gerrard, I can't quite put my finger on it. Even that peculiar wife of his, Alex, who's aged badly, really bad. There was a picture of her in the paper today, there is a picture. And uh, she looks really bad, actually, in it. I don't know why, she used to look quite good before. But there's something about Stephen Gerrard, I don't know. You just get the feeling that when he sort of retires from football, there's going to be all sorts of stories coming out about Stephen Gerrard. I bet you there are. There are loads of rumours on the internet. Loads of rumours about, you know, what the family's like and all this kind of stuff. I wouldn't want to live up there. With all due respect to everybody who lives in, in Liverpool, I really wouldn't want to live up there. I like London. They say when you're tired of London, you're tired of life. And was it Oscar Wilde? He said, we're all lying in the gutter. But some of us are looking at the stars. I don't know what it means, but I think it's quite... Somebody sent me a mug at Christmas, last Christmas, that had that on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a polite notice to go in the back of a taxi here. Smoking, drinking, eating, and... Oh, good Lord, there you go. What? I'm just mentioning it. It's so panic-stricken, honestly. <laughs> Jane Moore's column today talks about Prince Harry... He's just a party boy, isn't he? I think we have to accept the fact he is the Princess Margaret of the modern-day generation. He, just, he knows he's never going to get on the throne. He knows it's never going to happen. He'd love the comparison, yes, <laughs> to, to Princess Margaret, who was just... Um, well, I don't know how I can describe her. I don't know how I could describe Princess Margaret without being sort of a little bit rude about her. She, she was... You know, I know a lot of people liked her, but she... Um, she was slightly difficult. Slightly difficult. Do you know, if ever you're in the company of the royals, you can't go to bed. She used to have parties at Kensington Palace, but you'd have to sit there until she decided to go to bed. Because you can't leave before the royal leaves. I don't know why. It's like you can't actually speak to them unless they speak to you. I'd be so tempted to get... Who was that? Was it one of the Australian premiers who, who patted the Queen on the bottom or something? <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't taken out and shot. Don't do things like that, do you? It's not the kind of thing. But so Prin Prince Harry goes out there, occasionally puts on a uniform and he does his, you know, like, OK, you are thing. And then the rest of the time is a complete dipstick going out to the clubs and getting drunk. And he was in uh, Vegas and he was with Chelsea Daly, Davy the other week. And these were the various other people. Another time he's sort of Harry the sensible one, but then a lot of the time he's Harry the idiot. And he just goes out and gets drunk. But then he'll, he'll put on the uniform that somebody's laid out for him. I'm assuming he can... I shouldn't imagine he can press his own clothes, can he? They, they get people to do things like that. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. Again, I mean, they were sort of falling over themselves on the television yesterday. They were interviewing Lewis Hamilton. And I don't quite get motor racing. I seriously don't get it. I just do not understand it. I'm not interested in it. And now they've got... You know, he's a double world racing champion. So what? 
So what, what does that mean? Well, I understand what it means. It means that he's won two titles, but who cares? Who cares? It's like a self-appointed body, isn't it? The motor racing sport. It's a bit like boxing. You know, they always bring dead boxers out of retirement or dig them up from cemeteries to fight people. And you think, well, who are they? Where have they been? And they go, ah, well, they're allowed to do this because of... And then they come out with all that jewellery that they drape around them. And in the case of Lewis Hamilton, I just don't get motor racing. Perhaps I'm missing something. I remember Brian Seward. Brian Seward. And uh, he he used to talk about art in the papers. And to be honest with you, I never saw art. as I just thought, I want art to look like a photograph. I want it to look like a picture. I don't understand cubism. I didn't understand anything that, you know, half these people were drawing. I mean, Picasso, I thought, was completely mad as a box of frogs. And I go to, to some of the... Uh, the I, I can't do Tate Modern anymore. I just do not understand. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, then, if you can put Tracy Emin's bed in and various other things... This studio is an art installation. It must be. All you've got to do is just recreate this studio somewhere else, and that's an art installation. Yeah. yeah. Or what? Or... Yes, yeah, the state we leave it in. I mean, yeah, you could have cups everywhere and call it, you know, the working studio or something like that. <laughs> I quite like the idea, but I'm, I'm, you know, of having a working studio as an art installation. But I did go to Tate Modern, and I did think it was absolute pants. Seriously, I did... on one of them, it was just a table with lots of cutlery on it. And people stand there analysing it and you go, it's a table with cutlery. Grow up, get a life. I just don't understand it. I want to go to the National Portrait Gallery. They've got the most beautiful pic. They've got more canalettos in there, as they have in the Wallace collection. And you, Now, that's what I call art. You know, beautiful pictures, all the Tudor pictures, you know, pictures of Henry VIII and all the wives and everything else, painted in Tudor times. And then I looked at some Cezannes and, and other pictures, and you think, this was painted, you know, some of the portraits they've got in there and some of the pictures go back to the 1600s, and we've still got them. They've just had the Rembrandt exhibition, which I think is still running. And you look at it, you think, somebody owns these. I mean, you go to the National Gallery, and it's, it must be billions of pounds worth of art. It must be. It's, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. So when you get somebody like Lewis Hamilton who's driving a car very fast, that's like bouncing a ball, isn't it? It's like, as we were saying yesterday, the sports personality of the year, the sports personality of the year is coming up very shortly. And you look at all these people, the clue is supposed to be in the word personality. What personality have they ever demonstrated? They're just sports people. Most sports people are actually quite boring. They're so committed to the sport. They're so committed to the keeping fit. They're so committed to the money that they've lost sight of anything. Can't even sign autographs, as we discovered the other day. The Premiership clubs don't even bother, do they? 60 sent out, 18 came back. And that was with a stamped addressed envelope. Disgusting. It really is. Quick time check, 4.29. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday morning. It's wet. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's wet out there and blooming miserable. Uh, Dawn went to the Graham Norton show. The other night, she went to uh, a recording. It took one and a half hours to record. It's only a 45-minute show. His chair broke halfway through, and they gave him another chair. And, of course, it didn't swivel, so he wasn't very happy about that. And uh, she says, that we had a great time. They did speak quite a bit about the new Paddington film. Saw a few clips. I'd like to see it. I've, se- I've got all the, uh, the preview clips. They send me... What they do is, uh, either I can manage to get to a screening. I've got Tim Burton coming in very shortly. Um, and what they'll do, if I can't get to a screening, they will send me either the film in um, a form that can only be accessed by me on the computer. 
And all the way through, it's got, this is, this is Steve Allen's copy, this is Steve Allen's copy, which I'd never seen up until about 18 months ago. And so it's, if you then try and download it and send it on to somebody, then they can trace it back to you. So they're, they're very guarded with these things. But they, uh, they send you clips of it. So I might get six or seven clips of the film, or they send you the whole thing. Or sometimes, if you're very lucky, they just send it on a DVD. They courier it over so I can watch it. So I have seen most of the Paddington film. I mean, it, it is true to say, and I, I had to agree with somebody who, uh, who reviewed it a short while ago, and they said at the times, Paddington does look a bit like a fox. His snout is a bit too long for Paddington. It was always very snub snout. But anyway, I mean, still, it's still lovely, and we love Hugh Bonneville. I'm so pleased for his success. I turned on the television this morning, and Hugh Bonneville was on something with... Who was he on with? It was somebody like Lily Savage or something like that. And I'm thinking, oh, God, this Hugh Bonneville again. Anyway, uh, take that with there. She says, you wondered, would they be singing live? I'm 100% sure they were singing live. They had a band playing live for them, too. No backing track. Good song. They performed the song twice. Quite, uh, quite usual for musical acts. Yes, what, what they do is, um, when I used to go and see Des O'Connor's show, they would record the musical acts twice. So, in other words, if they didn't quite get it right... Or the first, and 90% of the musical acts were Des O'Connor mimed, uh, because it, it just didn't make any difference whether they were mummy. I think Banana Armour, I don't think I've ever sung live, uh, or, or anybody ever wanted them to. And so they sing it live, and then they, they put out the one which they think is the best. It's like on the Royal Variety performance. When they do the, the dress rehearsal for the Royal Variety, they record all the artists. So, in other words, if they have a mess-up on the night, they can put in their pre-recorded version. Because when we saw it, we had Meatloaf on... He was off his trolley. Off his, seriously, I mean, he was off his trolley. It was just, he didn't know where he was. And, and yet, when I saw it back on the television, it was perfect. I thought, that's not the performance we watched. So, it obviously, it had been switched. But, uh, no, the only reason I asked whether Take That was singing live is because when they did The X Factor, I was totally convinced that bits of it were mimed. The harmonies were definitely mimed. I don't believe that they harmonise like that. I just really don't. I really don't. I think it's what they call enhanced. So, in other words, it's them singing, but they've added bits onto it. It's a very catchy tune, though, isn't it? Very catchy. Um, actually, talk of a catchy tune. I was on YouTube this morning again, watching Only Boys Aloud, and there's one song on there, and I'd never heard it before, but it sounds as though it could be a Take That anthem. And it's really, really good, and I'm blowed if I remember what the name of it is. I shall find out later on. But uh, thank you for that one, which is good. She said, uh, I've been to see the show recorded several times. They do not go on, though, don't they, some of these television shows? You know, you just see 30 minutes on the television. Sometimes you'd be sitting there for two hours. When we went to see The Generation Game, years and years and years ago at the Shepherd's Bush Empire, that was two hours. The show only ran for an hour, but it takes ages because everything's got to be set on the stage and you sit there. I think, you're, you know, you're actually there out of boredom. I would advise people to take a bottle of wine or something. Uh, 84850, Steve at, at, at lbc.co.uk. Best sandwiches, Marmite and watercress. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Marmite and watercress, Diana. She had the fresh cress, of, of course, is bought from Paul the Greengrocer. I took him one of these sandwiches the other day and he told me he loved it. Delicious combination. Try it if you like Marmite. And I bought pickled onions the other day. I went out to Garston's, which is, um, it's, uh, they've got a farm shop and it's, uh, they've got everything there. They, in, in the farm shop, there's all the food. Oh, it was really lovely. Nice sort of place to go to. It's not, not exceptionally cheap, but it is, it is nice. And they've got, um, you know, plants for sale, 
What do they call those places? I can't remember what they call them now. You know, where they sell lots and lots of plants, and they've got all the Christmas decor acres of Christmas decorations. God, acres of Christmas decorations. So, uh, so that was quite good. I went out there because Lynn said, have you been to Garston's? I said, no. She said, you must go and have a look. You'll love it. So I went there yesterday, bought two jars of pickled onions, four ninety nine each, and they're quite lovely. I've forgotten how much I loved pickled onions, but I can't remember if they're any good for diabetics. Probably not. Nothing's good for diabetics, is it? Wayne's in Barnsley. Of course, you'd have to be, wouldn't you, with a name like Wayne? Where else could you be but Barnsley? <laughs> I don't know anything about Barnsley. Isn't that where Michael Parkinson comes from? Isn't he from Barnsley? I think he is. But he says it makes it easy getting up for work. I know, you don't want to lie in bed and listen to this too long, do you? You think, I'm, I'm also frightened, so I'm, I'm going to miss it. We're going to go out the front door, then we're going to miss it. <laughs> Steve, I rang the, uh, the traffic line to report an accident and got the cleaner. Really? You can't have got a cleaner. Not here. The cleaners aren't allowed to pick up the telephones. <laughs> so you definitely did not get a cleaner. Not from here. You might have got it from some other department, but certainly not ours. Might have been another thing in, in another building. Not in this building. The cleaners do not answer the telephones. So you probably went through to something else, which is probably our weekend thing that we use, which is not in this building at all. It's elsewhere. It's another, another service. And that's where you, you're probably contacted. Because the very idea that a cleaner would pick up... We've only got one cleaner on our floor, and he certainly doesn't pick up the telephone. <coughs> what time do they start? Um, I don't know what time they start, actually. Andy McCall's in from 6.15, isn't he? 5.15. 5.15, yeah. So he'll, he'll, be, he'll be up. He'll be... Oh, God, he'll be on his way here already. Andy will, definitely. Looking at the weather, going, what a miserable blooming day. What a miserable day. So, uh, thank you for that one. Cracker wheat mature cheddar. I wanted to buy some Jacob's crackers yesterday, Diana, but I'd, I'd forgotten. The time I got in, I completely forgot, but I did get some more. Iceland luxury men's fries. I bought six boxes. And the girl on the till said to me, should you haven't bought them all, have you? I said, no, there's loads over there. So she called one of the girls over and she said, get me five boxes. They're so difficult to get. But I believe now Brian and Noreen have tried them as well. Have you got underfloor heating, Steve? Uh, no. I'm carpeted. Everywhere. Everywhere I'm carpeted. I don't, I don't, have, an, I don't have an acre or an inch of, uh, of bare flooring. Everything's carpeted. Carpeted with rugs on the top. I love rugs. got an obsession with rugs, mate. Uh, my mum was so pleased Judy was voted off. Especially as she can't dance. My mum was an amazing dancer. I think Jake has shown how little it takes to be a celebrity. This is uh, Jake... Quickenden, who's in the I'm a celebrity, but he's not a celebrity. He was a failure. He was kicked off like that Stevie Ritchie. He was kicked off the X Factor. They can't sing. That's why Simon Cow laughed when he said, "Do I get a recording contract?" Of course you don't. Nobody's going to buy a song from a failure. They're really not. Oh, I don't know. We bought Jedward, didn't we? And they're they're pretty much failures. Pretty much failures. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, another one here. I went swimming yesterday, says CJ, and swam 50 lengths of the pool on one bacon and egg sandwich and a cup of tea. Sounds nice. And Ian says, I agree with you about modern art. The only skill these artists have is the ability to part fools from their money. Yes. Does LBC broadcast from one studio? If so, when does it get cleaned? Um, well, there's, there's quite a number. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Well, that's a very odd question there. We have things taken out of the studio. For example, they, they, they come in... They hoover next door. They don't, they don't hoover in here. But they do hoover in here at some point. I don't know what that point is. We don't know when. They do the little studio next door, and they do the other one. They remove all the cups, and they empty the bins and stuff like that. But I think we only get... It's not dirty in here. It really... I could take a picture of this floor, and you go, good Lord, you could eat off that floor. You could. You could definitely 
definitely eat off the floor here. It's that clean. But when, when it gets hoovered, I've got no idea. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here very quickly. This is from, 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 um... Nick, who says that Ritz crackers, Marmite with cheese, I grew up on this, and now it's tuna, cheese, pickled onion mixed with mayo and a crusty white roll. <gasps> they do at the at Waterloo Station, and probably quite a lot of the stations now, they do a crusty roll uh, with bacon and a Cumberland sausage. Unfortunately, uh, I don't want to be rude, but most of the people cooking it aren't, aren't sort of British, and they've got no idea how bacon should be. I mean, I'm seriously, they literally cremate bacon, which is how the Americans do it. And you feel like saying to them, have you ever cooked bacon before in your life? You don't serve bacon like that. It's ghastly. It really is. Uh, 84850, Alan, who's in Cheshire, says, if I didn't keep my phone beside the bedside, I couldn't listen to you via the LBC app. Aha. Aha, you see. Clever stuff. Clever stuff. Uh, You don't get motor racing. Neither do I, says Mike. I also don't get the notion of royal families. Oh, I do. Oh, I absolutely get the notion of royal family. Because you can trace the lineage back. The lineage goes back, you know, uh, many, 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 many hundreds of years. And it's, it's littered, littered with catastrophes all the way down. Murder, rape, pillage, you know, seizing of lands. You know, if, if you fell out with the king or the queen, off with their head. They didn't mess around with it. So I understand. I, mean, I remember having a discussion, or was it an argument with somebody, about um, what the Queen actually does. Like, for example, she doesn't write her speech for the opening of Parliament. You know, she, she doesn't decide on what goes on. It's that those decisions made by government and the Prime Minister. She's merely a figurehead. But I love having the Queen there. I mean, you don't want to be like America. we just got somebody in the White House. No, I love the idea of having a royal family. Admittedly. At least, probably, a quarter of them, if not a few more, are totally surplus to requirements. You don't necessarily need them. But I love the idea that the Queen is out. It'll be a sad day when she's not. It'll be a sad day when Prince Philip isn't there. But they show no signs of slowing down, do they? In fact, the only thing I notice when I see the Queen is she's shrunk. <laughs> yes, she's shrunk. But I mean, I wouldn't give you threepence for, for Prince Andrew. I wouldn't give you threepence for Prince Edward. And, uh, you know, Harry and William, yes, because, you know, one's being groomed to be the king. You know, Charles is OK. They're, the trouble is, they are in a bubble. It's only people like Harry who've sort of been out and done the sort of the drunken thing. And William, who I don't think has done the drunken thing. I don't think we've ever seen pictures of William lurching out of a nightclub because he's a bit, he looks a bit too sensible, whereas Harry looks as though he's up for a laugh all the time. And that's why. And uh, Prince Charles, I mean, you knew from that con, uh, those conversations that were recorded about Camilla that he's obviously living in a completely different world, a completely different world, where nobody, you know, every time he says something remotely funny, like, you know, why did the chicken cross the road? Because Grandma wanted to eat it. <laughs> and everybody falls apart laughing. You know, so he actually thinks he's very funny, and he's not. But he's, he's probably a very interesting man to talk to. Very interesting. And if you pay enough money, you can toady up to him and get invited to all the parties and all the rest of it. And that's why some of these people who've got loads of money can manage to get close to the royal family. And that's where we got Sarah Ferguson from. And to be honest with you, the sooner she disappears again, the better. Although this Christmas, I believe, she is going to be spending it with the royal family. Philip will be dosed up and staying in his bedroom, I should imagine, because he can't stand her. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Oh, dear. Actually, uh, yesterday, Julie Hartley Brewer was talking about Lewis Hamilton. She said he's been hailed as a British sporting hero after he won the uh, the Drivers' Championship. But can he be if he's a tax exile? He doesn't even live here. He 
he doesn't live here, he just pops into the country, you know, because he doesn't want to pay taxes in this country. He wants to pay as little as possible. It was like the moment I heard this morning, you know, the argument over Tony Blair, and it's awards from the boys, you know, you rub my back, I'll grease your palm, and all that kind of stuff, and it goes on. But, of course, he has a Tony Blair foundation, and you know what foundations are, don't you? This is a legal way of not paying as much tax as everybody else has to pay. So, in fact, any, anybody worth their salt who's got a lot of money sets up a foundation. They've all got them. They've all got foundation. I think even Cheryl Cole's got a foundation. And what you do is you channel all your money into it, and out of that you take your expenses. And you can, and you can live quite happily on it. And it's a way, legally of not paying as much tax. That's why the moment I hear of anybody who's got a foundation, I go, oh, yes, they've got a lot of money and they don't want to pay on it. And Lewis Hamilton doesn't even live in this country. Lives in Monte Carlo, doesn't he? I think it's Monte Carlo or Switzerland or somewhere like that. Wherever it is, he's not in this country and he's done it to avoid paying tax. And we're giving him an award. What for? Pay your tax into the country, mate, and then we might think about it. John says, your listener who swam 50 lengths on an egg and bacon sandwich. I mean, surely it was too soggy to eat at the end of that. Old jokes are the best, and you only get the old jokes on this programme. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> uh, how could anyone cremate bacon, says D. Try pate, ham, rocket and tomato in a sandwich, a little mayo. Oh, that sounds quite nice. All right. Uh, John says, accident in the outside lane just before the M25 at 21 turn off. Debris in the road. Good. Lisa says, I'm marking year nine books and listening to you. Thank you for keeping me going. This is normal for us teachers. I know. You have to do it, don't you? You have to do the marking. Oh, guess so. I got a, a press release the other day. You know, I'm a big fan of Tommy Steele. Uh, now, Tommy Steele, I don't know how old Tommy is now. He might be 80. He might be 80. But he's going to star in the new musical spectacular, which is The Glenn Miller Story. Now, I don't know if you remember seeing The Glenn Miller Story. Bryn and Annie will remember this very well indeed, because it was a story of Glenn Miller. He was a trombone player, and he had lots and lots of hits, and he was wonderful. He, and they, they, when they did the film about him, because you know that he, uh, he went missing in a plane crash. A plane crash happened, and... Uh, I don't think they ever found his body. I don't think so. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. But uh, either way, he was, he was on his way to do... I think he was flying home or something. It was none of these winter things. And June Allison played his wife in the film. That's all I can remember is she had one of those husky voices, and she died a little while ago. But the, uh, the story was great. The story of how he wanted to play trombone, and they set up, and he just used to wander from club to club, and then they set up the Glenn Miller Orchestra doing, you know, all those hits which was Pennsylvania 65000. And they've decided to do a musical about, presumably, the film, which was based on Glenn Miller's story, because he went missing, but he'd recorded his Christmas show. And I always remember seeing June Allison sitting by the phone and somebody saying that he's, uh, the plane has, has come down. And then she turns on, on the radio, and, of course, he'd done a dedication to her. But it was all pretty... It was so sad. It was so sad. June Allison had one of those really husky voices. It made it sound as though she was gargling with nails. But the films are real saddy, a real saddy. And so now they're going to bring it back. Uh, they've got a 16-piece Glenn Miller Orchestra, full supporting company of singers, dancers and actors, and they're going to tour in it with Tommy Steele, who, of course, as you all know, was Britain's answer to Elvis Presley. Uh, his first number one was in 1957. He reached the top spot before Elvis. He's had 20 hit singles, 12 hit movies. He's been in half a, half a sixpence is better than half a penny. Great film. 
Hans Addison, and Singing in the Rain. And actually, isn't it Ben Fogel's mother who's uh, also starring in Half a Sixpence? It's Ben Fogel's mother, isn't it? I'm pretty certain. And uh, 70 years since Glenn Miller vanished over the English Channel, he flew to Paris to entertain the troops. Did he crash or was he shot down? The mystery will never be solved, they don't think. And so they, they brought it back. Bill Kenwright has brought this one down. He also directed Whistle Down the Wind, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor, Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, Blood Brothers, and most recently Evita at the Dominion Theatre, which is lovely. So uh, that'll be good. That'll be really good. Tommy Steele, I have to get him back in for that. I have to get him back in. When he came in last time, I just kept thinking, blimey, it's Tommy Steele. And I pass his house almost on a daily basis, his old house. He had one in Richmond, down in Petersham. And it was on the corner there. Beautiful house. I think he sold it for about ten million. And at one time he owned the corner and the garage and everything else. Jimmy Stewart played uh, played Miller. Thank you, Craig, very much indeed. You're quite right. He did. It's such a good film. Such a good film. One of those, it's, it's a weepy film. Uh, and Tarquin, I have no idea. I have no idea. I couldn't possibly answer things like that. <laughs> You're all now going, what's he asked? What's he asked? It'll have to, have to remain a secret. Have to remain a secret. Other stories which are in the, uh, the paper today. There's a huge uh, waste tip. And this one is down in... Where the dickens is it? It's... Um, cool crikey. It's, it doesn't say where it is, actually. It just says it's uh, Britain's worst area of fly tipping. Oh, Perfleet. It's near Perfleet State. I've never seen such a thing. Who, who does fly tipping? All sorts of strange people. And this one... They reckon it's about a million pounds to clear up. It's the length of three football pitches, and it's everything from mattresses. The sort of people who come knocking on your door and offer to sort of take away your rubbish for you. They just go and dump it down there. They don't, they don't destroy it at all. It's just, so it's going to cost about a million. And all the people in Perfley, you're paying for it. You're paying for it. So now the police are trying to find out, and the council, who's been dumping it. Because that's why farmers have to put up all sorts of things to stop people dumping on their land. You see it every so often. People just sort of empty bin bags all over the place. And it's, it's really not good. Um, Philip says, of course Cheryl Cole, Fernandez Hideaway, has a foundation. You don't think she applies all that makeup direct to her bare skin? No. <laughs> I, bet, I wonder if he's met her family. <laughs> you can only hazard a guess, can't you, really? Have you, have you met my family? Why, uh, put it down. Sorry, they're a bit, bit late-fingered. <laughs> Victoria Beckham. Apparently, it's a rock for Louise. They're actually trying to uh, sort of, you know, it's it's all these are all publicity puffs, PR puffs that are put out by their uh, by their managing companies to tr- sort of try and make them more human. I don't really care, actually. I've been more interested in the fact that Victoria Beckham can actually decorate a Christmas tree than anything else and wrap her own presents. What do you think the Beckhams give each other for Christmas? What do you think it can be? I, mean, I, I can't imagine what you would buy for the couple who must have everything. Can't be anything that they. Uh, that they haven't got. So, I don't know, what would you buy? What do they buy the boys, apart from earrings? It's a very funny thing, isn't it, to buy? Uh, Bathers off Britain's beaches could be attacked by aggressive seals. Grey seals have been blamed for shark-like mutilations of harbour porpoises. Apparently, the harmless dolphin-like creatures have been found washed up on several stretches of the North Sea coast with flesh torn from their heads, throats and stomachs. Oh, dear. I'll tell you what's really dangerous. Are they tiger seals? Tiger seals are really dangerous. I mean, they look evil. I mean, some of them can be up to about 17 feet long. They're very, very dangerous. Don't want to go sw- I, that's why I'm not really a, a big swimmer in the sea kind of person. I don't like to go swimming because I'm always worried that something's going to come up from the deep. So I, I paddle around in the, shad- in, in the shallow bit. 
And that's about as far as it goes. I don't, I don't like to go any further. I'm a bit frightened, actually. If, if I was out in the sea, I mean, even thinking about being out in the sea, floating around on a lilo, frightens the life out of me. It really does. I'm not very good with things like that. Uh, Tommy Still, I thought Britain's answer to Elvis was Cliff Richard. No. No. No, definitely not. No, no. Tommy was the first one. Cliff came along a bit later, didn't he? A bit later. Uh, Little White Bull, Steve, was the first record I ever bought. I was trying to sing them to the producer who's, uh, who's about the age of a Christmas cracker and he's got no idea who Tommy Steele is. So I was going, once upon a time there was a little white bull, little white bull. Old it, flashbang, wallop, what a picture. None that, blank face, blank face completely. Didn't know any of the songs, nothing. Rock with the caveman. And then he did, oh, for sixpence is better than... I didn't know he'd done 12 films, though. So that's good. Little White Bull, fantastic. Fab film, Re Glenn Miller. My mum's dad played trombone, but he died young. And how bored are you, Steve, of the X Factor? I couldn't care less. You know it's contrived. Come on. It's a television programme. That's what they make it for. They make it to entertain. It's not meant to be actually a programme about talent at all. It's just pretend. Because you know that in a year's time you won't have heard of half of them. You know, they'll do the X Factor tour... And they'll all make about £10,000 or something like that. They'll have a bit of fun doing it and then they'll disappear. Because then the next programme will be starting and then they'll go on a tour. And so you've got Britain's Got Strictly, got Talent, got Dancing on Ice, got uh, got Ricketts, whatever it is. And they all go out there and they do the tour. They make a little bit of money and then they disappear. And then they'll probably pop up in another one. And you've seen the way that the papers operate. They'll, they'll pick on somebody. We had Stevie Ritchie, who, Frank, he can't sing for Toffee. I mean, it's a waste of time of even being on the television. Only been on there a short time and then beds one of the other contestants. A <laughs> little bit icky. A little bit icky. And, um, and then he'll, he'll, he'll disappear. And yet his father was in the paper saying he's going to make more money than Wayne Rooney. I mean, either the father is as thick as a brick. He's a former bank manager. I mean, you'd think he'd have a little bit of intelligence. Of course his son's never going to make as much money. He's got no talent. He's done it completely the wrong way. Completely the wrong... <coughs> Excuse me. Completely the wrong way. <clears throat> little slip of coffee, give me. Mm. Because they actually got the wrong publicity. If you're on a singing programme, it's supposed to be about singing, not about who you've bedded. That's not the idea, is it? Um, one here that says, talking of the Queen, you might like this, Steve. Uh, oh, actually, no, I can't tell you just now because I've suddenly looked at the clock and I've realised that we are heading at at a rocket's pace towards the news at five o'clock. The charity staff rebelling over that prize for Tony Blair. It's awards from the boys, isn't it? It's you rub my back, I'll rub yours. Rigby's killer's Facebook plot. The papers have got it in for Facebook now. They should have flagged this one up ages and ages ago. Silver surfing is good for your health. Apparently it keeps the brain active. It's very, very good for you. Uh, what was found in that piece of Morrison's fish? I'm not going to like the sound of this one. And the Oz Lion does the business. Plus, they found the piano, you know, from um, Casablanca. They've got that as well. Uh, the dogs of awe and the test ace, Phil Hughes, fighting for his life. The pet crematorium accused of heartbreak ashes and your texts and emails. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to Wednesday morning on LBC with Steve Allen through till 6.30 for early breakfast. Pippa Doyle was honoured the other day. I'll tell you why. She's a special, special person. A jealous 80-year-old got a thug to hurl acid in the face of his teenage ex-girlfriend after she dumped him. 
This one you won't believe either. Silver surfing is very good for you. Keeps the brain very active. The charity staff are rebelling over that prize given to Tony Blair. Uh, mainly because it's uh, awards for the boys, isn't it? The, all the people who voted for him are people who used to work with him. Anton Dubeck, Tony Beek, says he only wants young partners. He's sick to death of the old women because they can't dance for toffee. The pupils who see porn on school computers and Phil Hughes fights for his life. All of that and more this morning on, uh, on LBC. I'll tell you why uh, Pippa Doyle is a star. She's 93. She's a good 93. She's been given the uh, Knight of the National Order of the Legion of Honour, which is France's top military gong. You look at her and you think, I wonder what you did. Well, she's wearing her RAF wings. She's got lots of medals on her chest. And she risked her life parachuting behind enemy lines on spying missions. And um, the agents only had, I don't know if you know, a 50-50 survival rate. Uh, They were shot down. She landed in Normandy. In 1944, she was just 23, she sent 135 coded messages back ahead of D-Day. And uh, at the Auckland ceremony, uh, Pippa met the Afghan war hero, Willie uh, Apiata, who was given the Victoria Cross for New Zealand in 2007. And everybody said, you know, they have deep admiration for her commitment to end the war. So, uh, Pippa Doyle... Congratulations to you, 93. She's got, I think it's a glass of champagne she's holding with orange juice in it. Either way, you know, she deserves thanks for what she did because the the low success rate of the spies who were parachuted in at the age of 23. My dad had parachute wings, that's why I recognise them immediately. Uh, There's also the story of Vicky Horseman. Vicky uh, is 19. She's been scarred for life when a masked attacker threw acid over her as she answered a knock at her front door. All he said was, were you Vicky? And then he threw this acid. It's not the first time we've seen things like this, is it? And it's, it turns out that in this particular case, it could have been a jealous boyfriend. Why? I mean, I can't understand it either. Sometimes there are things that you read in the newspapers that you have to try and get your head round. Uh, the Oz Lion who does the business. Yes, this is the cowardly lion costume from The Wizard of Oz. It's iconic. I don't know what you do with it. But it's been snapped up for £1.9 million. That's some going. This was worn by uh, the late Bert Lahr in the 1939 musical, which saw, of course, you know, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and a girl called Dorothy there. The piano from Casablanca, made in 1942, sold for £1.85 million. It was one of two used in the Humphrey Bogart film. So as the late actor might have said, somebody could just play it again, Sam. Or pay it again, Sam. So uh, that lion costume, what do you do with a lion costume you've just paid £1.9 million for? I suppose you show it to people and go, this was, this was an iconic costume and it's still here. It must be looking a bit threadbare by now, do you not think so? Uh, one in six pupils access porn on school computers. I thought there were screening controls on school computers, but apparently not. Apparently not. Norman Wells, director of the Family Education Trust, says parents will be alarmed at the thought of their children accessing adult material whilst at school. Exactly. Well, they do it at home, so they might as well do it at school as well. The trouble is you can't stop this kind of thing. If they want to access it, not only can they access it on the school computer, it appears, they can do it at home, they can do it on their phones. They can do it on their phones. I mean, I don't know why people sort of say, oh, it's disgraceful. They, they can access porn on school computers. It is the most searched-for thing on a computer. For me, it's Google and pyramids. It's odd, isn't it, really? But for school pupils, it's something completely different. But on their telephones, they can access stuff like this. 
It's not difficult. And pupils share photographs, as we've, we've uh, discovered over the years. Selfies of certain body parts are certainly very popular among school pupils. There is a sad picture of the of the schoolgirls who died in that road crash. You remember a short while ago, uh, they were both 16. This is Jordana Goodwin and Megan Storey. And they were both taken uh, to their final rest in horse-drawn carriages, uh, draped with pink flowers and pink plumes on the horses. Uh, so they were together. They were friends and they died together with them. Um, uh, I think a few friends, actually. Blake Cairns, who was 16, Arpad Kaur and uh, Bottes Casper, who were both uh, 16 and 18, respectively. So five of them died in this car crash. But the girls got laid to rest together. Terribly, terribly sad. Very sad. But uh, a fitting tribute to them at the end of their life. That's what I've said before. Again, it was those bad road conditions. And I've said before, you know, you go out there on the motorways and on the roads and you do see people driving really, really badly. And you think, you know, it's an accident waiting to happen. Not just for you, but it could be for other people as well. On the subject of uh, awards, but, um, don't call me cynical, says Sonia, but what about the Beckham? Suddenly, a couple of years ago, back they come, on and off from California, relocate in London. Are they looking for a knighthood for Sir Dave? I couldn't stand the thought of Lady Vic. Well, I should imagine there must be some sort of method in their madness. She's got a shop here, but they do spend most of their time in America. When they're here, you know they're here because their agent puts out exactly where they are or what they're doing. You know, now Brooklyn getting a, a, an earring put in is apparently newsworthy. I don't know. Uh, Ian says, does David buy Victoria uh, an in-happy meal for Christmas? I don't, you know, I don't know what they would buy each other. But I bet you your bottom dollar, I'll, I'll put a prediction on it, you'll be told what it is. You'll be told what it is. Either their agent will release or their, their PR will release what it is that, that Dave has bought for. So it, it, it could either be something like, you know, a piece of jewellery. Oh, look, you know, a diamond, you know, or a ring, one, for, one diamond for every year they've been together. That would be the, uh, the sort of thing that they would go for. Uh, Bob Geldof, a little bit unhappy this morning. You know why? He's been knocked off the number one spot. Who by? As predicted, take that. Just one week. Do they know it's Christmas? featuring One Direction and Bono, has dropped behind these days in the midweek chart. The news will not please uh, Bob, who's urged punters to delete the track and download it again. No, have a listen to uh, to take that. It's a far less cynical approach. Far less cynical approach. You know, they've sold 312,000 copies. They should be grateful with that. So he's now saying, you know, just download it again. Uh, more shenanigans going on in the jungle, I'm afraid. Yes, the ghastly Kendra, the woman with such a foul mouth on her, I, I seriously couldn't believe it. I mean, really... Out of, you know, did her parents not teach her any manners? Have you ever heard such language? And still the uh, world failure, Jake Quickenden, is in there. I'm sorry, your five seconds of, uh, of non-entity is up. Goodbye, go away, thank you, had enough. Uh, Zayn Malik sparked health fears when he touched down in Sydney. He's in one direction, incidentally. There have been allegations about Zayn Malik and a few other boys in the band and, you know, allegations about have they smoked this, have they not smoked that. He was looking a bit pale and exhausted. Not surprised. They've all got a personal fortune of around £16 million and uh, they can't do anything. They're on a treadmill. They can't actually get off it because the relentless bandwagon that is pushing them will keep pushing them. Because the bandwagon makes money, and it makes a lot of money. And so all they do is they fly from here 
to there, and they do a show. Fly from here to here, they do a show. From here to here, they do a show. And so it goes on. Presumably, they will let them get back home for Christmas and they can put their feet up. But it's very tiring. Other groups have fallen by the wayside over the years. I've seen them, you know, where they become so exhausted that they just don't have the energy. When you look at it, they're just children. They're just children, for goodness sake. I mean, Harry Styles is only 20. I think you find the oldest one is, is Niall and... Uh, oh, no, Louis, 22. You tend to forget that, don't you? That they are very, very young. They've been doing it for a little while now. And uh, they must be exhausted. Also, the other fact is, I don't think they like each other. They all fly in on separate planes now. They say it's for security reasons. But to be honest with you, I mean, it can't be because they, they, most of them wander around by themselves quite happily. So it, it's just done to try and increase the interest in them. But uh, they, ha- they need to rest. You've got to rest. You could, there's a limit to how far you can push somebody before they go, I want to stop. And in the case of Jason Orange, he decided he'd had enough, would take that. He didn't want to do it anymore. You know? It's a case of, you know, I'm just opting out. I've made a bit of money. I want to opt out of the system because I don't want to be there. And so he'll be quite happy doing what he does. Uh, 84850. If you watch carefully says Shirl. You'll see Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz laugh at the lion's antics during his scene, and then she snaps back into character. (laughs) Steve, Tommy Steele, gifted artist, gave Liverpool a life-size bronze of Eleanor Rigby. He made one here, um, which went in Trafalgar, in, um, in Leicester Square, which was of Charlie Chaplin. And it used to be down outside his house. He made a bronze of Charlie Chaplin. There you go. Um... Uh, Margarita says, I'm intrigued what you said you bought five boxes of. Mince pies. Mince pies. The uh, the award-winning Iceland mince pies. Only the luxury ones. Only the luxury ones. The other, if they don't say luxury on there, they are not, uh, they're not the ones that they are award-winning. And they're very difficult to get hold of, because I went into Iceland yesterday morning to have a quick look, and they didn't have them. And I nipped in yesterday afternoon, and lo and behold, there were 20 boxes. So I bought five of them. And uh, you've got to be quick off the mark. No flies on Steve Allen. No flies on Steve Allen. I'll tell you in a moment why a girl called uh, Jessica has been fired. She's a cleaner. She's a cleaner, but she's a cleaner who's... She's a bit naughty, and she doesn't really understand why she's been fired. She was cleaning Premier Star's houses, but she was doing something that got her into trouble. So we'll tell you about that. And as I told you yesterday and the day before, the £4 perfume from Lidl, is as good as a £70 rival. It is, but it doesn't last. So when they say it's as good, it is, but only for about 30 minutes. And that's why it's a cheap perfume. You pay for the expensive perfumes because they last longer. They last a lot longer. Cheaper perfumes, very nice, but they don't last. So, mm, oh, that smells nice. Put that on. Oh, lovely. And then within half an hour, it's vanished completely. LBC News Time, it's 5.15. Nick and the team with you at 7 o'clock this morning on LBC. The transport boss, Sir Peter Hendy, will be joining Nick to take your calls. Plus, as a report into Lee Rigby's murder claims, websites like Facebook need to be more vigilant in tracking terrorist material. Nick will be asking, can we ever police the internet? And why are the NSPCC criticising social workers? Nick Ferrari with The Breakfast Show this morning at 7 on LBC. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Papers today, it's Nick Dubois, the Conservative MP for Enfield North. He will be up even as I speak. Catherine Rhodes tweeted, uh, keep seeing adverts of Black Friday sales. Anybody know what Black Friday is? It's an American thing, Catherine. And it's when everybody traditionally goes mad 
buying stuff. Yesterday, I thought was a pretty busy day because I went to this garden centre, Garston's, which is out in Isha. That's posh. But there's always a queue there because you've got to pass uh, <coughs> Sandown Park, the racetrack, where they've got a, a Christmas thing on. And they've got one out at Garston's, which is, which is very well known in the area. So I went out there and it was heaving. So Kingston yesterday, down in Surrey, must have been really, really busy. People doing all the thing. I, I mean, I'm having to sort of push all my lot on, can you tell me what you want for Christmas? No, not you. It's, uh, it's, it's easier, actually, to give people for Christmas money. Most of them seem to want money nowadays. I think it's only my youngest goddaughter who will actually want a thing. Chris and Sharon generally want an item for the house. My brother, well, I just give him a couple of silly things. A couple of silly things and some money, because that's what he wants. And his girlfriend will have perfume, because she's happy with that. And so that becomes, that's, that's gift-wrapped. <laughs> so you don't need to worry about that one. All in all, actually, it's not too bad, producer. Use your box of Iceland mince pies. And, uh, you know... Sorry? Well, don't, 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 don't. That'd be fine. Exactly. I mean, listen, you don't expect anything more, do you? Goodness sake, I mean, I'm thinking about you. So that's all it is. And uh, what else do I have to do? That's about it. Might bring in some little nibbles over, over Christmas. And I'm sure we'll all be terribly happy. <laughs> 84850, Steve at uk. I still love the Kate Garraway tweet to me yesterday, which was very funny. And um, Simon says, uh, I live in Harrogate. You might as well be down the road from me. Th- is that because it sounds as though I'm down the road from you? Kerry says, you help get me through the night, which is, uh, which is good. Might have been rule the world, says Andrew. No, it's not rule the world. It's, is it called try again? Try Again is the, is the only boys allowed song. And it's, I heard it and I thought, this could be a take that anthem. It's really, and you watch some of the boys on there and they chuck themselves into this. I think there's about 100 of them on stage. You know, I'm a big, big fan. Big, big fan. Um, big, big fan of Only Boys Allowed because it's just the enthusiasm. They came third on Britain's Got Talent. And uh, at least they're doing something. And they sing with such a passion. They really do. It's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So I I love things like that. Community singing, I'm very good at. I bought the Downton Abbey Christmas album. There's a lot of uh, Julian Ovenden singing on there, I'll tell you that one. Uh, Mark says uh, there was a reconstruction documentary on Channel 4 years back and uh, about uh, how Glenn Miller died. Apparently his plane was flying over the Channel and uh, the pilot flew through the designated drop zone. But the film is actually one of my favourites, because when she turns the radio on and the broadcast from Paris begins with Little Brown Jug, it is a tearjerker, isn't it? I mean, you you have to go with June Allison on that one. It's just, it's absolutely sensational. I was going to tell you about this lady who's in the papers today, and she's, um, she's a cleaner for Manchester United, and she's been sacked. This is Jessica Tinsley. Jessica Tinsley was 24. Police quizzed her after the club made a complaint. What she was doing, she was going into all these uh, houses. Uh, uh, Angel Di Maria, Marcos Rocco, I think. Is that right? <laughs> Give or take. And, and a few other. There's uh, Javier Hernandez. That's OK. Is it? Oh, good. Oh, that's right. Uh, who's on loan from Real Madrid. Known as Chicorito. All right. Chicorito do you know so? <laughs> Sorry. Wish I'd not done that. Uh, anyway, uh, she did take photos on her phone, so all her friends are Man United fans. So there she is in the house of the good and the great, and she takes photographs. Bedrooms, bathrooms, chandeliers, swimming pools, even uh, Rocco's £200,000 wage slip. She comes from Warrington, she says, I'm gutted and sacked, all because I took a few photos. When you weren't 
You're not allowed to do that, dear, I'm afraid. She said, I did it out of nosiness. Their houses were incredible, and I had to take a photo of the wage slip because I couldn't believe how much he was paid. Need to listen to this programme a bit more. I can tell you exactly how much people are paid. I can tell you everything about it. So, uh, so that's why she was fired. Because you're not allowed to take... It's, uh, you know, somebody coming round your house, cleaning it, taking pictures. Taking pictures. Oh, dear. I love swimming in the sea. I think you may, says CJ. I've been watching too many Jaws films. I know. Uh, I just... I'm just frightened by, by water. I, I don't like anything like that, I'm afraid. Tommy Steele was the boy from Bermondsey. Yes. Uh, Chris, thank you very much indeed. Very funny. <laughs> this is, I can't even repeat it because it's bound to offend somebody. Uh, Garson's Farm. Lovely lunches, says Anna in Walton-on-Thames. I think I've actually had something to eat there before. I think so. My mum went yesterday, Steve. For somebody else. And, uh, Lisa says, uh, thank you for making me laugh. Yesterday we laid my dad to rest. My producer was the same. Exactly the same. We laid him to rest yesterday. He was so tired. Uh, a proper Irish wake afterwards. <laughs> Can't sleep this morning. <laughs> it has to involve booze, doesn't it? has to involve booze. A friend of mine, I told you that a friend of mine, her father is actually dying at the moment. He's now on to day four on morphine, not had any food or drink, nothing. Nothing at all. He's on day four. I said, this man is, I mean, I said, Are you sure he's not passed on? She said, no, he's asleep. He's asleep, but he's, uh, he's still alive. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? And uh, Jamie says, don't you think that's selfish, buying five boxes when they're only 20? Of course not. Don't be so silly. Why would that be? Why would that be selfish? It's not selfish at all. That's a case of I was in there at the right time. Winner takes it all. Winner takes it all. That's definitely me. Uh, I didn't see the documentary. It's what? <laughs> I didn't see the documentary on the paedophile last night. But strangely enough, I was having a chat to my friend John about it the other day. And, and he wasn't as anti-it as I thought, because the NSPCC said it was a very good idea. This man hadn't committed any crime. He's away having treatment at the moment. And we both couldn't work out what the treatment would be. I said it could be electric shock therapy. I've got no idea. But he, he just said he likes four-year-old girls. Now, I couldn't get my head around it either. But they obviously thought long and hard before showing this programme on the television. And strangely, it's not been mentioned in any of the papers today. Not one of them has mentioned it. So obviously, they're also thinking to themselves, well, he's, he's admitted it. He's getting treatment for it. Perhaps we should identify it as an addiction. He hasn't actually done anything. He's trying to make sure he gets the treatment before maybe something did happen. But it hasn't. 84850. Useful as it is, the internet is a wild animal which has been unleashed. It will never be policed properly. No, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think that you can police it at all. It is just too big. Too, too big. And Jackie says, I'm surprised Kendra in the jungle had a pop at Edwina. I thought they'd be friends and have things in common. Um, because they both had relationships with fairly ancient men. Yes. Kendra, of course, was doing crack cocaine at 14, she proudly told us the other day. I don't know why you'd proudly test, but what a foul-mouthed, dreadful woman. At least Edwina Curry can keep her language under control. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that, uh, that a lot of people would admire Edwina Curry. If only for the fact that she's not in Parliament anymore. <laughs> uh, 84850 uh, The scene in question is when, in the film, Judy Garland 
uh, the lion springs out of them. She genuinely laughs at the actor's antics. I love spotting mistakes in movies. I really I'm very good at spotting mistakes in movies. Oh, look, here's a picture of some tattooed buffoon. Who is it? Oh, it's Callum Best. What do you do for a living, Callum? Nobody really knows, actually. He toasted the anniversary of his uh, dad's death with a beer. So he's uh, relaxing. That's very appropriate, isn't it, really? And uh, he's, he's in Dubai. I really must never go to Dubai. It's obviously full of low-rent people. And uh, he says, remembering my dad today in a way he'd be proud of at the beach in Dubai. And then follower Peter Crodin says, I'm sure he'd be a very proud man, mate. Have a drink for him, though. Callum, I didn't know Callum Best was still going. His hair's all but fallen out, poor soul. And um, I don't know I don't know what he does now. I don't know if he actually has a job or if he just sort of lounges around. He's a bit old and past his sell-by, I think. He's now... Good God, he's only 33. Good Lord, seems to have crammed quite a lot in. I felt a bit sorry, or not sorry, for a couple out for a stroll in a wood. Well, actually, in sort of Epping Forest. And uh, they're wandering around, and all of a sudden they go... I think we're in the middle of a marijuana farm. And, you know, they are. An outdoor plantation was only a few metres from a public path and close to a school. Oscar and his partner, who was asked not to be named and has been pixelated, snapped a few cheeky photographs crouching among the strong-smelling leaves before continuing with their walk. Oscar says, we couldn't believe our eyes. We went, is this real? They are cannabis plants. It's uh, previously a royal forest, the park, on the border between the north-east of Greater London and Essex is managed by the City of London. A spokesman for the government body said, we can't comment at the moment as it's a police matter. So somebody's obviously just gone down, planted up all these things in the forest, and then just waiting for them to take their course. And obviously, because it was just off the beaten track, they didn't really expect anybody to find it, but they're gutted looking in the papers today. 5.29. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Spare a thought for poor old Pizza Hut. They go to, to Italy to launch a new pizza, and the Italians go, this isn't pizza. Not as the Italians know it. It's, the, it's obviously the Western version. It's like trying to find Chinese food in China that resembles the Lucky Lotus Garden. You know, over here, it doesn't happen. John says Black Friday is on the last monthly payday before Christmas. No, it's not. No, it's the day after Thanksgiving which is this coming Friday, It's also the days when all the shops go mad in America and they put out stupid bargains and people queue and they riot. doesn't necessarily take the shooting of somebody to have a riot in America. Black Friday can be a riot as well. And people go out there to buy all this stuff. And it's also not the last monthly payday before Christmas because most people who are paid monthly have just been paid because you get paid on the 25th and then there'll be another payday before Christmas. So the next payday will probably be on the 19th of December. So people who are invoicing, people who are freelance, would have to have got their invoices in, possibly by today. Because if you leave it any later, they won't be able to process things in time. So that's why. That's why. But Black Friday, no, emanated in America. And it's because it's the day after Thanksgiving when people go out and they do televisions for $10 and sofas for a dollar or something like that. I filed my VAT online yesterday, and you know every time it comes around to doing VAT, which is every three months, uh, I sit there and sweat over it, and then eventually I manage to find something that sort of, it just clicks into place. So this time I thought, right, I'll be organised. I'll be very organised. Because my accountant, Steve, has got all my paperwork, I've actually reduced the amount of paperwork I've got. So I picked up the invoices, and it's only uh, six invoices. And I go to the site, you have to log in with your ZXY-hieroglyphics. Oh, dear, that takes forever. And you get into it, and you click on that. And this time I did it in seven minutes. 
I was really quite impressed with myself. Normally, I sit there and I put it off and I put it off and put it off, as everybody does. Anything to do with tax or VAT or anything like that, you just... It's like the doctors, you kind of put it off, don't you? Leave it as long as you can. But I was quite impressed with myself yesterday. By 9.30, I was, uh, I was done and dusted. Very happy I was. Very, very happy. Uh, 8 for 850. Oh, I might go back to Iceland and buy the remainder of their, their uh, mince pies if there's still any left. I might buy all of them, actually. <laughs> I think that would please me. No end today. Uh, 84850, uh Another one here. Um, um, somebody says, I'm happy to accept money if it makes it easier for you when deciding what to get me for Christmas. Or for safety's sake, make out a cheque, says Kevin, the optimistic milkman. I, I do cash. I don't write out cheques. I think it's a bit, of a bit of a tedious thing. So what I do is I go to the bank and I might take out, you know, a few hundred pounds or whatever it happens to be. And so in people's Christmas cards, that's their, their Christmas box, as it is. Because I think nowadays people would rather, would rather spend the money on something they want as opposed to having a gift that they, they don't really want. It's nice when you pile up your gifts at the end of Christmas. You go, oh, I've got all of this kind of stuff. And I, I, I do quite well, I think, because my family feels sorry for me because I'm at that age now where you don't get as many presents. Cards I get loads of. Cards I get hundreds and hundreds of cards, which is absolutely lovely. I love cards. Not glitter cards. We had such a trouble with the glitter last year. I ended up with glitter on my fingers, on my face, everything. And, of course, as you catch the light, you glint. And it's not a good look standing by the, by the bus stop, I'm afraid. <laughs> by the way, an unrelated question. Is there one or two L's in million, says Kevin? Oh, dear. Wouldn't it be lovely, actually? I looked at a flat the other day. I say looked at it. I was just online. And I was sitting on the, on the train, and I was, uh, I was on the phone, and there is a certain flat in London that I'm interested in. But the trouble is, it doesn't have a price on it. It's a penthouse flat. And it's a, I can't afford it. I know I can't afford it. So it's, it's, only, it's only pretend Christmas fantasy shopping. And it's spread over the second, third and fourth floors. You've got your own private lift, which you bring people up in a... In a they actually get in the lift and you've got a key and you bring up the lift. And uh, it's got an outdoor terrace. It looks lovely. It looks lovely. I wouldn't... I'd, well, I mean, I'm not a multimillionaire. I mean, in spiritually, I'm very rich. <laughs> Physically, I'm not rich at all. But that's the fun of it, isn't it? You can, you can pretend especially after about two glasses of Prosecco, that you've actually got this uh, money. And I looked at this, this flat, and I think there's three in the building, three or four, but, I mean, if you're going to have one, you've got to have the penthouse one. And I looked at it, I thought, that's really nice. It's only three bedrooms, but it's three bed, three, three bath, fully fitted kitchen, laundry room, but it's the fact it's got a private lift and the fact that it's slap bang in the middle of London. Now, the last time I looked at a flat in Trafalgar Square, it was £14 million. Yes, we actually have property in London at that price. In fact, that's at the cheaper end of the scale. If you go to Knight Frank's website, the, the property starting there, I think, is about £65 million. You don't, you'd be surprised how little you get in some parts of London. You'd be really surprised. Uh, the Mail today, they're doing my £4 perfume story, smelling as good as Chanel, but it does not last. And that's what they've said, and that was the advice that I gave you the other day. Be very, very careful. Silver surfing is very good for you, say the male. Very, very good indeed. And uh, they say it won't just keep you up to date with the younger generation, it could boost your health. Although my advice is don't ever go onto Google and Google your symptoms, because it, it'll just ruin your life. You'll, you'll begin to think that you've got everything under the sun. And apparently they, they've done a survey a health literacy literacy survey of four and a half thousand adults of 52 or older. So obviously they didn't ask me. And uh, they say here 
that uh, internet use and engagement in civic, leisure or culture activities were lower among those whose health literacy declined. I do, I mean, I, I don't know how we survived before the internet. How in God's name did we ever survive? You can sit at home, you can, you can learn, you can educate. If ever I've got guests coming in for In Conversation... The easiest thing to do for me is to type in the name of the guest and then interview after it. And then you can watch or read other people's interviews. And that gives you an inline to something. And I've got inlines to all sorts of people. All sorts of people. Somebody was talking to me the other day about a guest I've got coming in this week. John Cleese is coming in on Friday. And we've got things in common. We've had, I know, difficult to believe. but I like to try and find a, a link, a thread... To somebody that's coming in. So when we did Hugh Bonneville, of course, me being a huge Paddington fan, having read all the books many, many years ago because my brother bought them, that gives you an insight into exactly what the film is about and who Paddington is and why he was based on all those little war evacuees because my mother was an evacuee in the war, as indeed were, were many of you listening probably at the moment and you stood at the stations with your little gas mask round your neck in a little box and you were ferried off to places you didn't even know who the people were half the time sometimes people had good experiences sometimes people had bad experiences but either way children were being bussed about all over the place they had the same little brown coats all done up with a piece of string because everybody lost the belt uh, sue ellen turned up on loose women the other day poor soul well i mean as somebody said here she can't really be 74 can she but she is 74 she does admit that she's had, uh, she's had surgery, and she has a healthy lifestyle. She walks regularly. Uh, she doesn't do diets. She hates things like fatty diets, because I think diets don't work. She says, uh, if you have a delicious piece of bread and you want it, then have it. But I don't have it every day. I love dark chocolate, but I, I'll have a piece just occasionally. And it's what I've said. Diets don't work little and often. Little and often is, is the way forward. And it's the trouble. There was a guy on the television the other day, and he was one of those who was desperately trying to... He was enormous. He appeared to have two tummies, one inside his pants and one outside them. And I looked at it, I thought, God, that's an awful lot of weight you're carrying there. And then I looked at what he was eating. Whereas most of us will, will do, you know, a meal for one in a, in a frying pan or a small saucepan. His looked like an industrial-sized saucepan. And when I looked at it, I thought, presumably this is for about a family of six people. No, 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 no just for him and his girlfriend, who, since she'd been with him, she'd put on a stone as well. But his portions were in... He was doing a chilli con carne. He said, I like to eat healthily. <laughs> I looked at the size of this chilli con carne, and I thought, you're not really going to eat all of that. And then he added a tin of beans. And another tin of beans. And but by, the, by the time we got to the end of the programme, I was feeling, <laughs> feeling physically ill with the whole thing. It's very easy, isn't it? They always say, don't go shopping in a supermarket if you're hungry. Go when you're feeling fairly full and then you avoid most things on the shelves. I bought something the other day. It's like a, a scotch egg, but it's hot. You heat it up and it's a runny egg in the middle. And I can't quite bring myself to cook it at the moment. I don't know why. I'm not, not feeling in the best place, place at the moment to actually eat runny eggs, which you know is a, a big aversion of mine. Big aversion. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Howard says, next time you go to Iceland, hide Peter Andre's CD in the freezer. I'm delighted to tell you that in the Twickenham branch of Iceland, they've not sold any. I did specifically look. They've got Peter's new one and then a Christmas one, and uh, they're still sitting where the mince pies are, and everybody's avoid Why you don't want to buy a Peter Andre CD? I've got no idea. Although Dawn will probably write in and say, I bought Peter Andre's CD and it's very good. Uh, the tongue-eating... Is it a louse? has been found in a piece of Morrison's fish. It looks like the sort of thing that you would find in the diet of I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Uh, this gruesome yellow parasite turned up 
to be a lot closer to home. It was inside a fish port from Morrison's. Retired headmaster Paul Poley was about to tuck into his supper of sea bass when he noticed the three-centimetre-long creature. He took it back to the supermarket, who identified it as a Simotha exugia, which is commonly known as the tongue-eating louse. It sounds disgusting. If you saw a picture of it, it looks a bit like uh, a little armadillo. I mean, put it this way, if it crawled out from under a plate, I think you would scream. Uh, Mr Pohl from Swansea has now lost his appetite for seafood. He said it was disgusting. I love fish, but it's put me off it. Morrison's apologised on behalf of its Clanethley store, and they gave Mr Poley a £20 voucher and a bottle of wine by way of compensation. I've rather an explanation of how it got in there in the first place. I mean, do they not check for these sort of things? I know that you do get these sort of parasites in fish, but, I mean, if you saw a picture of this thing here, it would absolutely... I mean, you, you would be falling off the uh, off the kitchen chairs. Looks horrible, doesn't it? I mean, I suppose they can't check every sort of thing, but a £20 voucher and a bottle of wine is not exactly great compensation. I'd be looking for £100 minimum. £100 minimum. £20 and a bottle of cheap wine. Bearing in mind, that's actually £20 that you can spend in there and a bottle of wine, which probably cost them about £3. So what have they effectively given you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. You have to go back and ask for more. Uh, uh, Steve, Black Friday, last Friday before Christmas, when tradesmen go out for Christmas parties, said Tom. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, what's the best gift you ever get for Christmas? Uh, aside from Mrs Brown's Boys, the movie. I, I really wouldn't want that at all. I don't know. I've said that before. Really not remotely interested. I don't know, actually. I don't know. I don't know. Just, um, I no, nothing. I don't need things. I don't need things. I'm quite lucky. There is nothing that somebody could buy me. I go, wow, I really needed that. I mean, apart from petrol in the car. That would be the only thing that I would need. I don't actually need... Yeah, that's what the producer's going to get me for Christmas. It's going to get me a five-litre can of petrol, which is the gift that, you know, that can actually get you from A to B, which is brilliant. It's quarter to six. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Um, somebody says, uh, I wonder what you have in common with John Cleese. Ah, oh, you'll have to wait. You have to wait till the interview. A great scene in Pretty Woman, where Richard Gere presents Julia Roberts with a string of pearls and then snaps the box shut. Obviously not in the script. She jumps out of her skin and they have to, uh, they have to jump cut it before she bursts out laughing. See, I, I quite like that idea. That, that sort of thing appeals to me. There is a very funny bit in, is it Far and Away, with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. And at some point, Jesse, um, he's on a bed. He's playing a fighter. And he's on a bed, stark naked, except for a flower pot on, the, on a certain part of his anatomy. And apparently, they were looking for reaction. He's lying on the bed, and in all the scenes, under the flower pot, he's, he's sort of covered over. But they thought, or he thought it would be a brilliant idea to get proper reaction is that when she lifts the flower pot up, he would really be stark naked. And so she lifts the flower pot up and he would start naked. You don't see anything quite clearly because it's a film. And, uh, and so the reaction is then genuine, as opposed to she'd have to pretend that, I don't know, anyway, whatever it was, you got the reaction. So when you watch in Far and Away, that bit where she lifts the flower pot up, she, you could see she's thinking, are we still acting here or has this gone a little bit further than that? Uh, is, is it the walk, says CJ, with John Cleese? Or, the, or, or do you test doors and walls in hotels you stay in? I have actually, um, <laughs> sorry, I have actually tested walls. I don't know why you get like that, just to see if they're, if they're solid or load-bearing. 
Steve, I'm still laughing at the comments you made about the difference in the amount of ash left at a crematorium between a hamster and a horse. <laughs> it amused me this morning as well. You've got to laugh at something, haven't you? There are stories in the uh, in the papers today which uh, which are not so good. Uh, parents panicking, as I told you last week. What did I say? I said last week, if there is a, a particular toy that a child wants, um, then you have to go and get it there and then. Because the chances are, once it hits the newspapers, uh, they're going to start selling out. Because people don't want to disappoint the kids at Christmas. And uh, such is the case of the Disney Frozen doll. Apparently, they're running out, and it means that you might not get it. We had this problem some years ago. With, well, in fact, I think every year there is always a problem with some toy. Furbies, one year, were in very, very short supply, and you couldn't get them anywhere for love nor money, and I had to get Furbies. I, had to, I, I wanted to buy them as an investment, and I went, on the off chance, into Argus, in Richmond. It's not there anymore. And uh, on the shelf behind, they had four Furbies. And so, so I, looked, I thought, they've got Furbies. How odd. So I said to the woman, can I have those four there? And she said yes. So she took them down. She put them in a bag. And, um, and I, I paid for them. And as I'm walking out, the manager came out and he said to the woman, where have the Furbies gone? She said, I've just sold them. He said, well, all of them? She said, yes. He said, it's supposed to be one per person. Of course, by that time, I'm out the door. <laughs> not hanging around. And I've still got them. They've not been touched. They are, they are crystal, pristine, wonderful condition in boxes. Because I thought they'd be worth money in years to come. I've got ETs as well. I bought an ET, ET phone home. And they, and they were quite good. So I, I save all these things. Unfortunately, the mince pies from Iceland are not quite the same. Um, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, somebody says, good topic for LBC, Steve. Maybe a, a prize for who comes up with the best present for you. I don't, you see, I just, I'm not really a present person at Christmas. I'm a bit boring. You could buy me socks and I'd be, uh, I'd be quite happy with socks. Seriously, I'm, I mean, I'm not, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of gone, for, I've gone a bit further than that in the present thing. I know that people sit there, my, my goddaughter is ten, makes a list as long as your arm. She sits down and goes through the Argus catalogue. And she writes down, or she's seen something on TV, she writes down what, what she thinks she would like. That's it. Whereas at the time you get to sort of Nathan's age, he's sort of 16, you know, it's a bit difficult to know what to buy a 16-year-old. And as for my oldest goddaughter, petrol money is always very handy. Very handy. Uh, Jamie says, Steve, five litres of petrol probably won't even start your car. <laughs> That's what the producer said to me. He said, you're not going to get very far with five litres, are you? I said, no, not really. Uh, Ross, Len and Ken have just finished a night shift at Gatwick. How lovely. What well, a miserable time, isn't it, out there? Because the weather is a bit, a bit grim today. A bit grim. Kevin the Miltman says, the, the connection with John Cleese, Steve, is it you've got three ex-wives you've never mentioned? <laughs> oh, dear. I wish, if only. So, my advice is, if you're thinking of a particular Christmas present, try not to go by the paper's influence. Go out and order it today. Today would be a good day to order it, if you have the time or the inclination. If you've got a computer, of course, it's easy. You just go online to any one of the uh, of, of the shopping retail, and ninety percent of the shops on the high street have got an online service, and you have to buy it from there because then you get it delivered. Get it delivered to work, and it doesn't get lost, does it? There is the uh, the sad story today of the mother of a boy lured to his death by an online predator. Yesterday, warning parents to open their eyes to the dangers of allowing children to roam the internet. This is Breck Bedner. Uh, Breck was a fourteen-year-old boy. And he used to play computer games. One in particular that he was uh, playing 
online uh, was one that carries an 18 rating. Um, he got friendly with somebody called Lewis Danes. And uh, Lewis Danes effectively groomed Breck Bedner over the internet to the point of the uh, fact that this body, uh, that this, uh, this young man went over to his house. He secretly took a, a train. He was a church-going boy. He was very good at school. And Lewis Danes knifed him to death. And uh, this, this boy's personality had changed. Changed completely. Because this boy started saying to him, God doesn't exist, your parents don't like you. And he became, effectively, a changed person. And so he started going round there. His, uh, his father is a wealthy oil futures trader, works for an investment firm. And um, people have said it's so tragic because he got so caught up in computer games. And I've seen people become obsessed. He, when he left the family's home, he said he was going for a sleepover instead he took the train to Lewis Dane's home. His body was found hours later, and his killer showed no emotion as he entered his guilty plea. They were just about to start the trial, and he changed his plea, changed it to guilty. Uh, the man who murdered him, Lewis Danes, came from, again, it's a, an all-too-sorry pattern, a broken home. Um, he threatened other boys with lawsuits when he fell out with them. His parents sort of got rid of him. It was, it was, the whole thing is just so terribly, terribly tragic that people get caught up and they start believing in these computer games. And this particular computer game is uh, Battlefield 4. It's a violent video game played by thousands online. I don't play computer games. It probably seems... I'm quite grateful, actually. I'm not remotely interested. I've seen them, and I go, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. But I, I wouldn't be remotely interested in playing it. Uh, this is uh, extremely realistic violence, and players use weapons, including machine guns, grenades and knives, to kill enemy soldiers. It's rated unsuitable for anybody under 18. So... Breck shouldn't have been playing it in the first place, but this is what the parents are saying. You need to monitor exactly what your children are doing. He was an air cadet. He attended St John the Evangelist Church in Catrum. His, uh, his mother, a teaching assistant and school governor, said after his death he was a clever, good and helpful boy. And they'll now never achieve his potential. It's very sad, very, very sad. Very sad indeed. That makes all the uh, the papers for today. Mariella Frostrup is in the papers too. She says, medical insurer won't pay for my menopause treatment. She's not happy about it. So who foots the bill for therapy? Well, according to the paper today, most private health insurers don't pay, as you probably know, for hormone replacement therapy. And that's because they they relieve symptoms arising from a natural cause, which is the menopause. So you're not... You're not covered. People think they are. The firm's policies are based on covering treatments for disease, illness or injury. And they claim the menopause doesn't fall into any of these categories. So if you're having trouble with your medical insurer at the moment, it's probably for that very reason. I mean, patches can cost about £44 for 12, may last longer. That can be the kind of thing. But they're certainly not going to be paying for it any time soon. So that's why Mariella Frostrup, not a happy person at the moment. Uh, there's also... A story in the day, they're, they're talking about Black Friday, a black day for Britain. Sarah Vine, I'm getting, getting more into reading Sarah Vine's column, and she says, surely you've heard of it, the Friday after Thanksgiving, a couple of weeks after Halloween, the day we go mad for the online bargains. So that's what Black Friday is. Bigger in America than here, but apparently we do it here as well. I only knew that because the producer said to me, he said, I should be doing all my Christmas shopping on Black... So everybody, my advice is, start doing it now. Don't leave it till the last minute, do you? Uh, a lot of people saying, oh, you're lucky to get paid before Christmas. We don't get paid till the 31st. No, that's why I've always said, for a lot of people 
in, in loads of businesses, they actually get paid before Christmas, and then you've got about six weeks before you get paid again. The charity staff who are rebelling over the prize given to Tony Blair by people that he knows very well. In fact, he used to work with most of them. Rigby Killer's Facebook plot, that makes the front of a lot of the papers, which we'll run through in a moment. Uh, the tongue-eating louse found in that piece of Morrison's fish. The Gerard Brawl footage. And uh, the test ace, Phil Hughes, fighting for his life. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, you're really nice to have your company. Welcome to Wednesday morning. It's miserable and it's wet. But at least it's not uh, too cold out there today. Silver surfing is very good for your health. That's according to the papers today. The charity staff rebelling over this prize for Tony Blair, who apparently has a foundation. Amazing. Kate's tears for a grieving mother. The £4 bottle of perfume, which we started off on LBC. It's good value, but it just doesn't last as long as the proper perfumes. The fraud police probing 50 lords. The Oz Lion does the business. And Anton only wants young partners. He's sick to death of being partnered with the old women who can't dance. Testes Phil Hughes is fighting for his life and two million children should be given tablets to combat rickets. This is LBC. And I'm with you till 6.30 this morning. So we'll run through all of the, uh, all of the texts and the emails and uh, Black Friday. It's amazing how many people are confused about Black Friday. It's the day after Thanksgiving in America, traditionally the day when they, uh, they discount loads of things and people rush out before Christmas and start trying to bag a bargain. In this country, we sort of, we do it, but we concentrate more on the day after Christmas Day, on the Boxing Day, which is when the sales start. So as far as I'm concerned, why don't you just tell fibs to the children and say Father Christmas can't deliver till the 26th? Makes it so much cheaper, doesn't it? Uh, Sarah Vine is married to Michael Gove. Yes, thank you, Teresa. I did know that. And uh, uh, CJ says, if I had to buy you a Christmas present, you make it sound compulsory, I might get you a case of Prosecco and sometime at a health club. Yes. Uh, and Tony says, Argus, Steve. It's Argus. He says, I'm now nervously awaiting a tongue lashing. Go away, you silly little person. It's Argus. Everybody knows how it's pronounced. I know, because... <laughs> Because well, I've been there before. I do like the, um, the catalogue. Gary says, I've got a Christmas present for you. The book you were looking for, the circus book for boys and girls from the 1950s. Lovely, thank you. And Dan in Essex says, if you're interested in collecting rare items, maybe a copy of the Peter Andre album may not be such a bad investment. Yes, I'm not too sure about that. I'm not too sure about that. Uh, stories on the... Sorry, it could be what? Charity shop bargain bucket. I think. Well, it's made it to our goose. Sorry, to Iceland. I do beg your pardon. It didn't make it to our goose at all, did it? Front pages of the papers. Uh, Facebook kept quiet about Rigby Killers plotting, and there's a damning report into the soldiers' slaughter by the fanatics. The four-pound perfume they're running with in the uh, mail. Oh, that's a nice picture of a well-known celebrity uh, on the front of the uh, mail as well, which I'll leave you to ponder on later on. Uh, the jungle is spooked. Apparently, uh, foul-mouthed Kendra Wilkinson is being terrorised by a ghost. It'll be Hugh Hefner, dear. OK, Hugh Hefner. I know he's not dead yet, but he certainly looks as though he should be. Cowell's secret sexy picture of Cheryl and Mel. Ugh, something tacky about it. That's the running on the front of the Daily Star. The Mirror is the one who talks about the fraud cops probing 50 lords. Uh, one peer quizzed by the Yard after he told the Mirror fiddling expenses is rife. This is when you can get £300. You just turn up. So they go in, sign in, go out. £300. It's an easy thing to do. It's not difficult. Uh, just minutes inside Parliament. This is Lord Hanningfield. 
And so now the Met Police have launched a fraud probe into allegations that they contact... Why would it... I mean, I don't want to be rude, but why would it be the Met Police? Surely Parliament have their own sort of system of working these things out. And they say, well, listen, if you're coming in, then we're expecting you to do a day's work for £300. Isn't that as opposed to just wandering in? Unless the system is so lax in there that you can actually just walk in, sign in, walk out again and invoice for the £300 because you did turn up into Parliament. Lord Kennedy said Hanningfield will have to name names and justify his claims. It'd be interesting if he does, won't it? Uh, Tony Beak, Anton Dubeck, uh, has mocked Judy Murray's lack of ability. We're not sure if it was joking or whatever, but, I mean, he is he's, he's probably fed up. They always give him the lame ones. They always give him the ones who can't dance. They always give him the ones that he forms over. I think it was probably a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Duchess of Cambridge, quick to give comfort to a grieving mum, wrapping her in a warm hug the other day. She's turned out to be quite a little find, hasn't she, really, I suppose. We do like her, and she's fitted in very, very well. Whether or not she was, you know, groomed, I don't know if somebody... I know it used to be the Queen Mother, who Diana used to rely on, and she would take her through the etiquette and what she was supposed to do. And I don't know who's actually taken uh, Catherine through it, but whatever it is, it seems to be working. Years of missed chances, say the Metro today, to stop the killers of Lee Rigby. It would, it would have been so easy. They should have been flagged up. They really should have been, because uh, they were doing this for ages and ages, and nobody seemed to pick up on it, which is slightly worrying. Uh, Growing up is hard to do. James Arthur has opened up about a heart to heart he had with Simon Cowell. Uh, He was welcomed into Cowell's dressing room to watch the results show, despite being dropped from the Mogul's record label after a series of homophobic tweets. Simon was very kind and understanding and said he's been in dark places himself. It was very enlightening. Mr Arthur told Heat magazine, he didn't really need to tell me where I went wrong. I already knew how stupid I'd been. There we go. Well, we told him that ages ago, didn't we? Ages and ages ago. One Direction, sparking fresh rumours that there's a rift going on. They all fly in on separate jets. The the reason comes from the record company, who say that they all fly in separately for security reasons. So that's that one. And presumably they're going to be back for Christmas. In uh, front of the uh, the Daily Telegraph, it's Angelina Jolie. I can't work out if I'm a fan of Angelina Jolie or if I'm sort of missing the point here. But she was with a couple of Chelsea pensioners. I love seeing the Chelsea pensioners. Uh, that's uh, Cecil Baker and James Walter Fellows at the premiere of Unbroken. She directed the film drama, which is set in the Second World War, which is uh, amazing. Um... And really is, uh, you know, it's lovely. I suppose she's quite happy. Didn't didn't she get taken... Haven't we given an award or something for just being sort of nearest thing to God that we're actually aware of? Uh, head of uh, Tristram Hunt's private school attacking the Labour class war. Uh, police out to catch festive drug drivers. Apparently, having done in the past drink driving, now they're doing drug driving. They fear drivers think they're more likely to get away with taking drugs than drinking as officers don't have roadside drug testing kits. Sussex police have said they will name and shame every driver charged with drink or drug driving in the run-up to Christmas. They've issued a video of the arrest of a 29-year-old, Jason Frey, who was convicted of driving whilst under the influence of ketamine. Frey, who was shown barely able to stand after being pulled over by the police, was banned from driving for four months. Good God, is that all? I thought, I thought it was going to read four years. They were going to be a little bit harsh. Drug driving causes 200 road deaths every year. The one thing I never do is drink and drive. It's funny, I mean, I've, I've never been stopped for, uh, for drink driving at all, because I wouldn't, I don't, I, I wouldn't even risk it. But yet people do, they risk it all the time. The Independent, the war on Facebook, 
outcry as MPs rebuke the social media giant for failure to act on the online activities of Lee Rigby's murderer. Uh, Apple, Google and Microsoft also slammed, but Wikipedia founder warns against uh, Stasi-like spying. Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, Missouri because he's black. Bonnie Greer on America's culture war. I don't understand, as we said yesterday, why, if somebody's killed, it has to end up with looting and rioting and setting fire to people's cars and their businesses. What's the point of that? What, what, what useful purpose does that serve? Absolutely nothing at all. Um, another one here, uh, which says, uh, glad you're keeping me awake. That's what it's supposed to be. Don't want you disappearing. Uh, the charity staff are on the front of the Times this morning. Uh, this is staff at Save the Children in a revolt over a decision to give Tony Blair an award for his leadership in international development, calling it mor- morally reprehensible. Almost 200 members of its staff in Britain, including senior regional figures, have signed an internal letter arguing that the prize handed to Mr Blair by the charity's US arm should be withdrawn so as not to endanger the charity's credibility globally. He was given the award at an Illumination Gala last week, attended by stars including Ben Affleck and Dakota Fanning. The letter from staff reads, We consider this award inappropriate and a betrayal to STC's founding principles and values. Management staff in the region were not communicated with nor consulted about the award and were caught by surprise. It's interesting, all the people there uh, who actually gave him the award are people that he knows. Uh, the Sun this morning, the Facebook accused Lee Rigby's family absolutely furious as the net giant failed to report the murder threat. And that's what's annoyed them so much. All the signs were there. They say that Facebook have got blood on their hands. LBC News Time, it's 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Steve Allen. Oh, we've only got a few uh, minutes left on the programme this morning. Stephen Milne says, I know you love Christmas. Is the tree up yet? Not yet. Not yet. He says, I can't wait to put mine up. I've got 600 lights, but I hate tinsel. Yeah, uh, do you know, I love looking at tinsel. You just don't know where to put it. I try. I remember actually last year I did bring some into the studio and wrap it round the microphones, and every day somebody took it off the microphones. Obviously some bar humbug person. Uh, but I'm, I don't know what you can do with tinsel. On mass it looks absolutely fantastic, but what you do with it, I've got no idea. Are you in Richmond, Stephen? Are you in Richmond? That would explain a lot. It just says, you know, it's the first time I've ever noticed whenever I get a, a text message, it, it sort of says where it's from. Well, in fact, no, it doesn't, because I've just looked at another one from Todd, and it doesn't. But your one says Richmond. So I'm assuming you're either driving through Richmond on your way home after a busy night on the on the roulette, or or you're not. <laughs> uh, still waiting for the John Lewis Penguin soft toys to come back into stock, says Olive. Have you bought one? No, I haven't. I don't want one either. Evil things penguins are. Evil. We know what they're like. I know it's an advert on the television. I know I'm trying to be charitable. I just don't like penguins because they're evil. Because they, uh, they, they sort of, uh, they've got little piercing eyes. And I've had one in the studio. I've had one in the studio. And to be honest with you, it looked at me like it was about to kill me. You know, they're not, they're, they, and they are, they are murderers. And they also muscle in on other people's chicks and eggs, don't they? They sort of push other penguins over. Because penguins are a bit daft, actually. But, I mean, they're, they're dreadful thieves. Terrible. Uh, the Daily Express this morning, Kate's tears for grieving mother and uh, the hidden immigrant millions population soars because of foreign family baby boom. Julie Walters says the horror of facelifts and how love notes keep romance alive. Isn't it? I mean, if you're thinking about having a romance at the staff party this year, my advice is don't. 
But I'm sure that people will. That's what people go to staff parties for. I'm sure that Steve Millen will be going for a, to a few, a few staff parties <laughs> and being the, being the butt of, um, of sort of uh, people's interest, I would have thought. And that's what happens, isn't it? At Christmas time, people, if you don't have a relationship, people think, oh, it's the staff party. And uh, we have two staff parties. Well, normally we have two staff parties. The sort of the big one for the company, which I can never go to because they're always midweek. And I have to get up in the morning very early. So that, that never works at all for me. Uh, there's bad habits as well. It's enough to make your blood boil or perhaps blush with guilty shame. What do we not do now? And I only thought about this sitting on the train the other day. I, I got the early train yesterday going back home at 7.20, which was some going, actually, by my staff. I thought that was pretty good going. And it was packed. And, of course, nobody gives up their seat to women on that train because everybody's trying to bag a seat for themselves. So you're all sitting in a seat and there's people hanging on to the, to the rail and hanging on to other seats, but nobody gives up a seat anymore. You might on a bus, if you're sitting on a bus and an elderly person gets on, you might automatically get up. But, but I've done that a couple of times. Somebody said, no, that's OK, you're fine. And you think, oh, I should have not done it. We should have not done it. I was, I was just trying to be nice, trying to be nice about it. But um, it's a case of, on the train now, if it's a busy train, nobody gives up their seat to elderly. You know, elderly people could fall over. Nobody cares. We don't do that. At all. So tipping the ten worst crimes against good manners is using a disabled parking space without holding a blue badge. Oh, that annoys me. That annoys me. Failing to give up a train or a bus seat for a pregnant or elderly fellow passenger. Next on the list. You see, we don't do it. We don't do it. I don't do it. Uh, also, queue jumping. Queue jumping. Excuse me. I think you'll find there's a queue. Hello? There's a queue. I like that. Uh, also, walking past... This is another one. Walking past a mother carrying a pushchair up the steps. At Twickenham Station, where I am, there is no lift or escalator or anything like that. You just walk up the steps. But I always think there is the danger. And the reason I don't... Um, the reason I don't offer to carry somebody's thing up there... Say you drop it. Say you drop the pushchair. And so I'm afraid... I, I tend to sort of... I'm, I'm a walk-past person. I'm afraid. Um, and perhaps that makes me a bad person. 2,000 adults here. Uh, they also didn't like people who wear headphones but play music so loudly that you're forced to listen in. I do that, OK. Not on the train. Not a, I did do it once and somebody looked at me and I thought, oh, you can hear the music. Uh, the drivers who use the family parking space at supermarkets and were strangely infuriated by those who press the buttons to make lift doors close quickly. <laughs> I do that. That's me. I'm that person. Um, I just do it all the time. I can't help it. I don't want to stand in a lift. You wait for them for ages and ages. Our lifts here are, are fairly uh, fairly quick. But I, I automatically, automatically put the uh, the thing up. I, ju I just have to do it, actually. Very excited about Christmas parties, says, uh, says Stephen Milne. He says, uh, yes, I'm heading home through Richmond. I promise to try and behave myself. <laughs> Believe that when I see it. Believe that, judging by last year in the comments we've heard from people. <laughs> um, nice photo of the Bellagio Christmas tree, says Neil. We're taking Teddy up to Harrods to see Father Christmas today. Something we did for our girls and my mum did for me and my brother. I never got taken to see that. We did one in another store. I can't remember, but it, it wasn't that. It wasn't Selfridges or anything like that. I don't know if there's any tickets left for the, uh, for the magic show in the afternoon. You need to check the, uh, the Magic Circle website and uh, they can tell you. Julie says, I'm going to the Wimbledon Theatre Panto, which of course stars Linda Gray, uh, plus Matthew Kelly, Tim Vine and Wayne Sleep. The Panto is Cinderella. It's a good Panto at Wimbledon Theatre. 
Good one at um, Richmond. My friend Chris Jarvis is doing Richmond pantomime. So uh, he'll be, he'll be, fa- he's done so many pantomimes now and he's brilliant. Little Julie says, do you share a love of Iceland mince pies with John Cleese? Read Christmas toys. I remember my friend Sharon getting really stressed to buy all of the Teletubbies and queuing really early outside Woolies. Listen, talking of queuing, I've got to go. I've got to go. We've run out of time. So listen, thank you so much indeed for your company this morning. Go to the LBC website. You can listen whenever and wherever you like. There's the LBC app, TuneIn Radio, and if you missed any of today's Steve Allen show, there's our podcast service. Coming up at 7, Nick Ferrari, Nick Dubois is looking at the papers. But next, it's the morning news with Lisa Aziz. This is LBC. 